0: Hey everybody, welcome to another Theological Arsonist episode, Uh, the first of the year uh, that I've made so far, so hopefully 2021 will be an awesome year full of good content. I'm really really excited to have my dear brother, Andrew Davis, joining me for the first episode of 2021. Um, And today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. It's a topic that I think, personally, I found the church does not talk about nearly enough and i would even say specifically in reformed circles it's a topic that's not touched a whole lot and so i i'm hoping that we can shed some light in this area and really have a good dialogue so i've got andrew here i'm going to have him give a little introduction who he is what he does all that good stuff and then we'll get into it so andrew
1: who are you <laughs> who am i i am a son of god through jesus christ um first and foremost but um No, man. I'm Andrew Davis. I live in Wake Forest, North Carolina. I am a seminary student currently getting my uh, master's. Oh, did that cut off? I am currently getting a master's of divinity in um, preaching and pastoral ministry uh, in Wake Forest, North Carolina, if you missed that. Um, And man, it's just been a journey. Um, I'm in my second year uh, just trying to serve in the local church. And um, I am on social media as well. Some of you may know me through TikTok or um, Instagram and things of that nature, but um, but yeah, man, just in short, that's what it's who I am and um, what I do.
0: Cool, yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure the people watching, if they know me, they know you, likely. <laughs> so, exactly. but, but for those of you who don't follow Andrew, I'm gonna have all his links down below, so make sure you go give him a follow. Well, brother, spiritual warfare, it's a topic that I think needs a lot of attention. And we should be very aware that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And so um, give us a lead into this subject, where you want to start and where you want
1: to go with this. Yeah, man. And so you, you just hit the verse that's been on my heart the past two or three weeks. Um, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Um, ironically, I wasn't planning on this. And God's providence in my counseling class today. Uh, our, he's a pastor, Stephen Wade. Um, amazing expositor, Um, but he was talking about how, look, in your counseling sessions, understand when you get problems, when people come into your office with problems, with issues, um, you have to understand that uh, this anger, this bitterness, this, this immorality that they're dealing with, it's not a matter of flesh and blood. The battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not this person... And, and that is causing the rift that's called it's sin nature it's it's satanic it's demonic there are things and forces there are powers that are at work uh, and i just want to say this before we go go into this this is something that should not be taken lightly and this is something that we shouldn't joke about this is something that as followers of jesus christ as christians that if you don't take this seriously then that is probably a scheme of the devil to keep you not watchful over your own soul and take it seriously. Jesus commands us because of the spiritual darkness around us in our world. He commands us as his children, as his uh, adopted brothers and sisters to be watchful uh, because the devil is roaring. He's prowling around seeking whom he may devour us to steal, kill and destroy. So spiritual warfare is that that which attacks and sets itself up against the kingdom of Jesus Christ god goodness righteousness holiness peace love and joy in the holy spirit this is what satan does satan and this is where we can start off he was created he is a created being he is an, he was this angelic in full righteousness in the presence of god serving god in his courts um but in his own rebellion He sinned against God. He rebelled. And as Peter tells us, and Jesus even says, I saw Satan fall out of heaven like lightning, right? Um, And we see this reality of Satan rebels against his maker. um, And he is the prince of darkness, Grim. We tremble not for him, though, (laughs) as Martin Luther would say. Um, But he fell and he rebelled. And we see in the garden this devastating reality of who he truly is. When he deceives the two image bearers of God, Adam and Eve. And we see his cunning. We see his craftiness. We see his very sly, subtle, furtive nature in deceiving Eve and Adam. And so it starts off with this prince of darkness, the prince of the power of the air, Satan. He hates God. He hates God. He he is a murderer. He is a liar. And so we see in the beginning with Eve, um, even that reality of questioning God, uh, because w- when it comes to spiritual warfare, Satan is trying to usurp the kingdom of Christ. He's trying to usurp and overthrow uh, love for that for God, love for Jesus, submission to His kingship. Um, because you know, and so he does the same thing in, in the garden and um, he does three things with Eve, as Matthew Henry would put it. He, when God tells Adam and Eve to not eat of the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, lest you die, you will surely die if you eat of it. Um, he, tell, he makes Eve question whether that's actually a sin. He makes Eve try and think about, oh, there's probably great advantage in you eating of that tree. And then he he causes Eve to question whether there's actually any danger in uh, eating of the tree, disobeying God. So he does those three things uh, to us in different ways. Um, and then of course, making us want to be like God, our pride, the, the, the pride of our life, the lust of our flesh, the, the, the boast of our eyes, our flesh and the pride of life um, is something that he's going to attack in us. Um, and so just starting there, I think, uh, Uh, understanding that Satan desires anything related to God. He hates God first and foremost because we are made in the image of God. He hates us too, whether you're saved or not. He wants you damned with him because he hates you and the image that you bear. Uh, And and so uh, I think that's a good place to start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, Man, I think there's so much to glean from Genesis, <laughs> those first few chapters, just yeah. in, in, in the way that Satan goes about deception and the fact that he goes after Eve. I think it, it shows a huge, it plays a huge role in how we view redemptive history with Christ, the second Adam and all that. But something that I find very, very interesting that I think is important to acknowledge is when Satan is tempting Eve, and he says if you eat of this you will be like god what he's doing there is he's undermining the fact that being made in the image of god is already like god in the most powerful incredible way that we can express god's image that he created mm-hmm. us for that and so satan is making them dissatisfied with that reality that they're made in the image of god saying no there's 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 a likeness to god really being god is ultimately his aim there and so I think it's important to note that the way Satan deceives is not always flamboyant and in your face. It can be extremely subtle and it can be taking things that are true and just little incremental twists to them. And so I think if if we could kind of go down this, down this road a little bit too, today in application today, we need to be very wary of what we listen to, what we hear, the, the things, even if it comes from a Christian, quote unquote, Christian perspective, because things like that, if they're not balanced with the word of God, you know, yes, be a form of that kind of deception that happened in the garden.
1: Absolutely, man. And uh, you mentioned overthrowing God and, and questioning uh, or making us making Adam and Eve, uh, you know, try to be like God when we are already image bearers. Uh, And this is a quote by Matthew Henry that I recorded down for this. Uh, He says this, he says, Satan endeavors to shake that which he cannot overthrow and invalidates the force of divine threatenings by questioning the certainty of them. And when once it is supposed possible that there may be falsehood or fallacy in any word of God, a door is then opened to downright unfaithfulness. Satan teaches men, this is huge for those of you listening, Satan teaches men first to doubt and then to deny. He makes, he makes them skeptics first and so by degrees makes them atheists. Mm. Um, and so, like you said, this subtlety of, of Satan, it doesn't have to be this flamboyant in your face. Satan, as Paul says, disguises himself as an angel of light. Right. He comes in beautiful colors. He comes in, oh, the most moral way. Oh, how beautiful, how beautiful would it be to just follow this path? And we see that in our culture. We yeah. see that with the LGBTQ agendas. We see that uh, with the philosophies that, uh, that are being thrown at us right. that, that would make us seem like moral beings, like with the critical race theory. Uh, it, it, he plays on morality, but not through the biblical worldview and he makes that which is of the lord jesus christ seem demonic in the eyes of those who are truly under demonic uh, oppression and rule right. so yeah i have to be watchful
0: yeah two things so i i'm just i have more thoughts popping up about genesis but i think i think what's interesting too is who satan tempts he doesn't tempt adam he goes after eve and so, yeah. right there, he's usurping the created order that God had set up. The man is the head of the household. The woman is the helpmate to the man. The weaker and vessel. Yeah. And, and so, you even see there that there's already just a trying to twist the way God had intended his creator in order to function. Right. But then, going from there, um, that's just kind of a side note. But when they eat of the tree, they're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so, presumably, Before that, they didn't have a knowledge of good or evil, period. I think sometimes we think they just didn't know what evil was. No, they didn't know what good was either because there was no contrast Mm -hmm. between the two. They only knew God. They knew God for who he was, for what he had created, but they weren't able to define this is good and this is evil. And so by eating that fruit on that tree and their eyes being opened to the knowledge of good and evil, the tactic by which Satan now deceives is a little bit different because before he was dealing with humans that did not know good and evil. Now he has humans that are aware of this good and evil. And so within that, he is now going to try to tempt us in places, like you said, through morality, to have us be the moral judges of things, to have us make moral decisions about what is right and what is wrong.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, and like, just like you said, when when he he's going to try and, and just flip, the littlest thing on its head um, to make to make us you know to make us it, it, that the word autonomy literally means a law unto yourself or self law and we see that running rampant in our society yeah and you, you know you're either you know you 're either going to submit to god 's law and delight in the law of the lord um, or if you 're not you 're falling into a scheme of satan you 're falling into either worship of self self law or submitting to the to doctrines and thoughts and deceptions of, of men in this world. Yeah. Um so that's good, man. Cool.
0: Yeah. I I a question I do have, because I think that you're probably wanting to head this direction. I think it's really, really, really important. How do you feel that Satan, I guess how do, how do believers conduct spiritual warfare? What are the kind of things that faith uh that face believers? Because we clearly see the deception of the enemy in the world, the secular world. But when it comes to Christians who are secure in their salvation, who cannot lose that standing because Christ keeps them, what are the ways that we as Christians need to be looking out for?
1: Absolutely, brother. So we know know error better by knowing truth the most. Um, And so as we get into the Word of God, the Bible, we're able to see the schemes of Satan because we know our maker. We know the ways of the Lord. We know his paths. And so to know truth first, if we don't know our Bibles, how do we know, how do we truly know our savior, our Christ, our God? Um, so knowing that to, to, to be able to, uh, I mean, we see the schemes of Satan all throughout the scripture. We see how he functions. God has given us uh, in his word, the ability to see his craftiness and how he functions. And then, of course, as we live our life experientially, we we're able to, to witness those things as well. Um, so first and foremost, uh, the Word of God and being able to be like Christ when even in the temptation in the wilderness, when Satan pulls Scripture out against Jesus, Jesus doesn't, oh, oh no, he used the Word of God. Jesus still uses the Word of God and that's what we have to be doing as Christians, using it in context, knowing the scripture in context. I beg of you, Christian, know your word in context, because yeah. seriously, Satan will try to sift you in that area.
0: Yeah. Um, but that might, also, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I want you to it, finish your thought. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking, so knowing your word, um, and, and this can go twofold, but, but gathering with the saints uh, and, and singing, song, singing songs of praise. Uh, I think, so John Piper puts it this way, and I just watched a clip of Doug Wilson actually literally talking about, uh, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is making war against the spiritual realm. Yeah. Uh, music is a part of our warfare. Singing praise to God is what tears down strongholds. Uh, it's what, it's what, and it shows it and brings forth this heavenly reality of the, this is what's going on in heaven singing praise holy 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 is the lord almighty lord of hosts who was and is and is to come there's the seraphim the flaming angels and the saints who have perfected souls in heaven right now they're singing praises to god and we get to join in and the enemy hates that uh that he he was cast away from such things and he hates that. so uh, just making war through those means and prayer and gathering with the saints accountability with the saints rebuking, correcting, loving, admonishing, all these different things are such grave, grave and serious means to pursue.
0: Right. Yeah. And I would just add to that and say too that when Jesus gives the great commission, the call is discipleship, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think that that word can sum up a lot of the things you just said is we need to be actively discipling one another. And that that comes from being plugged into a local church, you know, this, this idea that, you know, church can be conducted online is just, it, it can't. No, it cannot. Nothing can replace the gathering of the saints together in person, <laughs> breathing right. on each other if they want to. Right. You know, and, and having that community is so important because of that discipleship aspect. Right. And I think one of the yeah. problems we see, and I would actually tie this into the spiritual warfare, is Christians who are very well intended, they are so focused on trying to reach the outside world, that they forget the purpose of the church. They forget that the yes. church is made for the believer, not the unbeliever. The church is made yeah. for the believer for that purpose of discipleship. And so when we're so focused on we got to bring the lost in, we got to make our services look this way, we're actually falling into a trap of the enemy, which leaves a bunch of malnourished Christians yep. who have no discipleship and therefore cannot withstand the attack of the enemy.
1: You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I think, uh, every time we gather, like Doug Wilson says, we make war, we're making right. war in the heavenly realms. And that's our battle cry. Um, but also to know, like you said, we try, we, we, we should be focused on shining our light before men. Right. Uh, but the church also, I, uh, as we observe today, uh, just the, the purity of the, the body, uh, is so crucial. And, yeah. but we see Satan, uh, he will get in there. And as Peter says in his epistles, the false teachers, for example, they are, they have crept in unnoticed and are among you. It's not a, Oh, they're about to no they are among you. And right. so to, to be able to combat that, how do you combat that? How do you combat when Satan is in the midst of your church? Well, what has God ordained for that church discipline? How do you, how, how do you address such things? Uh, and, and be able to discern such things, church discipline. And that's the means that, like you said, I'm totally against this whole idea of online church. I'm totally against it. Yeah. How do you do church discipline? How do you hold each other accountable? Paul, when he's speaking about this idea of church discipline uh, for a certain man, he says, hand him over to Satan. Hand yeah. him over to Satan that he might be restored. Um, but, you know, it was to a higher tier of church discipline at that point. But um, you have to be able to protect the bride of Christ, lest she become like the harlot, playing the harlot with the world. Church um, and so is a,
0: a form of discipleship, you know? Yes. The form yes. Of,
1: you know. Absolutely, brother. And so understanding, being watchful of the enemy uh, and being on a high alert within your own local congregation and uh, first off getting in one because the, Satan doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you in the body of Christ, the mystical body, the people whom Christ died for that are going to pour into you and use, you know, all that kind of things to edify you, to build you up in the faith. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but then also he's going to use the things of this world. Um, But man, I wanted to give give a kind of an anecdote that has uh, just Ephesians Mm -hmm. six. And so this passage, we we speak about satan we speak about uh, he he is prowling around like a lion he's waiting to devour us he's trying to steal kill and destroy you if uh, if you're in christ and so understanding what, what 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 does that mean how powerful is he yes he's very powerful uh he and he's not to be messed with not even michael the archangel uh he said uh, he didn't rebuke satan he said the lord rebuke you satan um, but we also know that Christ has all authority over him. Christ has all power over him. Uh, the ruler of this world has been cast out. The ruler of this world is judged, he says in John's gospel. Yeah. Um, and so we see uh, this reality of as Christians, practically speaking, we put on this armor of God. And uh, when, I would, when I would go to elementary school growing up, my dad, uh, every morning he had a booklet on spiritual warfare, and he would be praying the armor of God over me and my brother and my sister and over his, his work day, um, mm-hmm. as we would go to elementary school. And that never left me. But I, I, do, I always remember there were times when he would come home, at, at, knowing all these things we've just talked about, and how Satan is coming after you in your workplace. He's coming after you in your marriage. He's coming after you in your alone time. He's coming after you in the church gathering. Right. How, do you, how do you ready yourself for that? Go to Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God. And if I could just read that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I apologize if there's a noise right now. There's a train going by. My place. Uh,
1: absolutely, man. I used, I went to college where there was a train right behind my dorm. So hey, we're, we're we're normal. It's normal. So Ephesians six, and this is huge. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in your strength. No, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We see that. We've talked about that. It's not a carnal war we are waging here. There is a spiritual dimension. That is, when when you look at an unbeliever, as Ephesians 2 says, these people are being carried along by the prince of the power of the air, Satan. They don't even know it. They're blinded to this as they are suppressing the truth. And then in verse 13, how do we respond to the prince of darkness? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you, Christian, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness yes. given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And here it is. He's reiterating what Jesus said in the Gospels. To that end, keep alert, be watchful with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that the words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He's an ambassador in chains. And I want to point this out to you, Christian. You've probably grown up. If you grew up in a Christian context, maybe you weren't. Nevertheless, you've heard the, we put on the full armor of God. You've seen those posters with the guy with the armor, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. Walk through every single one of those. If you want to be able to stand firm against the schemes of Satan, if you want to stand, be able to stand against unrighteousness and, dem- and demonic oppression, understand that this helmet of salvation, Who is your salvation? Jesus Christ. Put on that shield of faith. Who is the author and perfecter of your faith? Jesus Christ. Put on the belt of truth. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus Christ. You put on, you you grab the sword, which is the word of God. Who is the living word? Jesus Christ, the Logos. And And then we see the breastplate of righteousness. Who is our righteousness? how did, how are you how are you justified the righteousness of Jesus Christ that you received through faith and then the sh- sandals and the shoes you put on uh, for the readiness of the go- to proclaim the gospel of peace uh, who who is the one we, who who brings us peace with god who gives us the feet that are beautiful that bring good news Jesus Christ why and so you read Romans and Paul sums it up he doesn't go through the whole armor he just says put on the lord Jesus Christ Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this is how we do it every single day. When we are putting on this armor, my salvation is the Lord. My righteousness is in Jesus Christ. My faith is sustained by Jesus. The word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts my heart and exposes me, but it convicts. And the Spirit uses it to convict the world. Jesus is the truth and nothing else but the truth. And uh, Jesus, by his love, is who compels me and who grants me peace with God and who compels me uh, to proclaim the the gospel of peace. Uh, And so understanding it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And if we want to stand firm, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. You must abide in the vine. You must abide in him or else you will fall. Uh, Jesus tells Peter, Peter doesn't want Jesus to go to the cross, Jesus even tells him, get behind me, Satan. You care more about human things than you do about the things of God in this moment. You're acting in your flesh, Peter. But then he says, he tells him uh, to be, well, to be watchful and, and to, to, to remain in that prayerful state. But he also, it's necessary that he would suffer. It's necessary that he goes through these things. Um, because like we see in, that, in that, that beautiful picture of Genesis 3, that the head of the servant has to be crushed. The head of the serpent has to be crushed. He says in Romans 16 that Satan will soon be crushed underneath your feet, Christian. Um, And so uh, at the end of the day, uh, our hope is in Jesus. Uh, We have to abide in him, have union with him um, and and understand that Jesus says he's trying to sift you like wheat. He is trying to tear you and destroy you, cut you up, cut you off from Jesus um, and ultimately see your, see your demise. So um, we have to abide in the love of Jesus, the love, the love, the love, the grace and the love of Christ. And uh, we will stand firm if we do and remain in such beauty.
0: (laughs) And I would just say going off of that, you know, I think a beautiful point to really drive that, that Christ, Christ is the one that we are clothing ourselves in every day every part of the armor of god is jesus christ he's really found in that passage where he tells peter you know the devil has demanded to have you but then Mm -hmm. what follows is he says but when you come back when you come back strengthen your brothers and so right there we see that jesus is the sovereign and that jesus is the one that has allowed satan to do this for his purpose which is ultimately to strengthen peter to then go and strengthen the body of Christ, the church, and so even in that we see that Jesus is the one who is conducting the faith of Peter and bringing him through the trial. Yeah, I think that we can consistently see that throughout Scripture. One of the things that I think we brought up John Piper now twice in this in this talk, but one of the things that John Piper said is that he to describe the devil when it comes to Christians is he is a faith eater, and I think that's a really just simplified really well-spoken way to put it because yeah. the devil is trying to eat our faith because he can't destroy our salvation. He can't remove us from Christ. He can't destroy the finished work of Jesus Christ. But what he can do is he can try to destroy the faith that we have so that we don't have the confidence to go and boldly proclaim Christ to right. more people through God's sovereign plan. And so by clothing ourselves in Christ, what we are doing is we are, we are coming against that. You're not good enough. You can't do this. I'm going to reveal the sin in your life that will show yeah. you not worthy. All of these things that the devil does. When we put on Christ, what we are doing is we are beholding what Christ said on that cross when he said it is finished. Hmm. And that is the strength that we're standing in. That allows us to just go, you have no power here, Satan. <laughs> you Amen. Have no power. I love, I love in James, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, I think that's so powerful. Resisting, simply resisting him and he will flee. It's not that he'll stroll away, he will flee from you. And to me, that makes me want to go back and re-examine, well, what does it mean to resist the devil? Mm-hmm. Well, in my own strength, like you just said, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Yeah. So what, is it, what does it mean to resist the devil? It means to put on the armor of God because the only way we can resist the devil is by having Jesus Christ. Amen, That's brother. That's what he's fleeing from is Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: And uh, like you said, uh, another we see over and over again, uh, Zechariah chapter 3, I believe, and then we see it in Revelation, I want to say 12, um, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in Revelation, that he, he is also the accuser of the brethren. Yeah. He's the accused, he, he was accusing um, Joshua, the priest, and, and Zechariah. Uh, and then God clothes him with his own righteousness. God clothes Joshua in the vision that Zechariah had with his righteousness, a clean garment. And so understanding that when Satan throws and try, aims to make you despair of, of your salvation, of, your, of, of righteousness that you have in Christ, of peace that you have with God, because of your sin you say get behind me satan get behind me Satan!" Uh, i have christ and christ is all in all i have his he stands in my place he is as john would say our advocate when we sin when you sin and the devil's in your ear uh throwing that guilt upon you as he always tries to do you have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous one and that is our great hope as Christians. Like you said earlier uh, in a conversation earlier, uh, he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Right. Not even Satan can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Neither angels nor demons, height nor depth, uh, famine, nakedness, sword, um, not even spiritual warfare that comes against you, the demonic realm. Jesus has won the victory. That authority that Satan had before the cross. Jesus says it's mine now. All of it is mine. And uh, he's, mm, it's a beautiful reality to, yeah. be, to see him making all, all souls new, drawing men to himself. Yeah. Satan has lost.
0: Yeah. And I, I love that picture in Revelation 12 where you see Michael fighting against the devil and his armies and you see the devil being cast down to the earth, cast from his place of accusation. Yeah. And you see right after that, it's replaced with Jesus being enthroned. Jesus as the conqueror, Jesus as the king. And as the book of Hebrews describes, you know, Jesus lives to make intercession for us at the right hand of the father. And so it's just this beautiful picture that his accusations cannot do anything to us if we are in Christ Jesus. Mm. And the way that we fight the, the accusations that come at us is by recognizing that they fall on deaf ears because of Jesus Christ. They, they, don't, they don't count for anything anymore. Amen, brother. In a new reality that is just absolutely glorious.
1: Yes, sir. Amen, brother. So yeah.
0: I, I want to I wanna briefly transition. Do you have anything else to say on this no. particular point? Okay. I, wa- I want to briefly transition. We've kind of looked at spiritual warfare in the believer and how a believer will deal with that. But I do wanna just touch on the idea of Revelation 20 where Satan is bound from deceiving the nations. Because I think that sometimes people can either have too much of a view of what that means, where Satan really doesn't have any power. We don't need to watch out for him anymore. But they can also go to the other extreme where Satan is this horrible, powerful being. He's not bound right now. Mm-hmm. You would both affirm Satan is bound when it comes to deceiving the nations. But we're talking about Satan deceiving and all this stuff. So what, are we, what do we mean by that when we say Satan is bound from deceiving the nations? And then what does spiritual warfare look like? that we as Christians have to face going out into the world today.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, I went out on the streets uh, Saturday ago, and I was preaching the gospel uh, over the air. And there was a man who came up to me, and he literally walked straight up to me, gave me, there was little to no room. And he looked me dead in the eye, and he said, I am Jesus Christ incarnate. I am the ruler of this world. You need to follow me. And when we go out into the world, when you proclaim Christ today, hell is going to throw itself at you. There are people, because they are carried along by Satan, uh, who are blinded, who are possessed by demons, who are uh, seeking to, just as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, these people are filled with the spirit of evil. They're minions of Satan and they're carried along and they're, they're following this, this path. And so understanding this idea of the nations being deceived, when I go out and preach the gospel, I know it's not like the old, old Testament time where only Israel has the law of God and they're hearing the truth and people have to come to Israel to, to know salvation. Right. I know that the gospel is beginning from, from Jude- from uh, Jerusalem, Samaria to Judea, to all the ends of the earth. It's, it's going out now because the kingdom, Jesus tells the woman at the well, there's coming a day where you're not going to worship me on, in Jerusalem or on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. You're going you're to worship me anywhere in spirit and in truth. Why is that possible? The cross of Jesus Christ. And we carry that news. And so when, that, when the nations, with the nations being deceived, we don't say, oh, like Satan has uh, no power. No, he's blinding people. No, yep. Satan is holding people and deceiving people, and and slandering God's character in their heart, painting wrong pictures of God through different means, through the lust of their own flesh, those kinds of things, um, and hanging before them the forbidden fruit in in different ways, um, metaphorically. But uh, we know at this point in, in time, because Christ is king, that Satan cannot thwart all the nations, in other words, all the peoples of the world, every kind of person in this world ethnically speaking anybody can come to faith in Christ all all nations all peoples have been redeemed on the cross which is why we know that satan can no longer have any dominion in holding the nations back from eternal salvation in Jesus Christ and Messiah and so that's kind of what we mean we know satan's a powerful being we know he deceives. We know he will throw his everything he's got at us. He'll send people to tell me that they're a Jesus Christ incarnate when they're just a false Christ carried along by a demonic spirit um, to discourage me and to get in my face and to threaten us. That's what that's what we're going against. But Jonah, I love Psalm chapter two. Hmm. I love I love Psalm two. It, every single event that satan tries to throw at the church of jesus christ we know that the lord laughs at it because what man can mean for evil god can mean for good first off in his beautiful sovereignty but also he's these people try to satan tries to plot against the lord against jesus christ and it just plays into the prop into the sovereignty of god and like in the last days, we, I sent it to you today, Second Timothy 3. Many will be lovers of self. All this evil, evil, evil taking place in the world, but they won't get very far. Their folly will, will be exposed. This is the beautiful thing that we, that we have in, in Jesus, the promises of God that we have in Christ and in the spiritual realm against such things. And finally, um, knowing that among all people, people groups in this world, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. We are not being invade- invaded anymore. We're not being pushed back. We have the battering ram, and we're hitting the doors of Satan's kingdom down through the gospel. Uh, that's the vision we should have, and we're doing it together, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with a heartiness about us. Right.
0: Yeah, and I, I want to I tie this directly into Ephesians with the, the armor of God because... The armor of God is Jesus Christ. We are clothing ourselves with Jesus Christ. And one of the pieces of armor is the Word of God, right? The sword is the Word of God. And it makes me think of Revelation 19, where you have the Word of God riding on a horse with the sword coming out of his mouth, followed by saints clothed in righteousness, and he's going and he's conquering and he's conquering and he's conquering. That's the vision that we as Christians should have out in the world. And so the the main reason I bring this up, man, is I, I think that there are so many Christians that can get so easily discouraged, myself included. When I look at the world, sometimes I just get so discouraged. There is so much depravity and so much wickedness out there. And sometimes it's like, God, why aren't you doing anything? It, it, it can, you can have the tendency to want to say something like that. But I think what we need to recognize is that God has been doing something for about 2,000 years, actually longer than that, yeah. worked yeah. it out. And then since Jesus Christ, there's been something unfolding. And it's a constant pushing back of the curse. It's a constant pushing back the enemy. And he is getting weaker And the sign that he is getting weaker is when he gets more desperate and persecution increases. Mm -hmm. That's how he works. And so when Mm -hmm. we see persecution rise, when we see depravity rise, that's not a sign he's winning. That's a sign he's losing and he's scared. (laughs) And so that's the mindset switch that I think Christians need to have when it comes to spiritual warfare in the world. Recognize that the devil is real. Recognize the seriousness of what he can do to deceive yeah, uh, those who are who are lost, but also recognize that he is not—he is on the defense, and on the offense. Yeah, we have a conquering king.
1: And I would also say to that point as well, when we see the depravity, the evil, the wrong in this world increasing, instead of fretting and being afraid, uh, we should be like Joshua. Uh, about to enter the promised land. He goes and spies it out and he comes back to the Israelites and he says, we can conquer this land. Come, let us go. The Lord is with us. Yeah. And, 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 and in our time today, when we see evil rising and we see these things, our heart should say, I'm not afraid. In fact, I stare evil right in the face and I see an opportunity for grace to abound. Hmm. I see an opportunity God's genera- for God's generous love to be poured out yeah. through his church, yeah. through the gospel. Because guess what? The divine love of Jesus Christ, when proclaimed, will burn up the love that people have for this world. Amen. Love of God burning the love of that which is evil. And so, oh boy, that hypes me up, man. The love of God. Uh Get, get used to that man and rest in that love and watch satan do everything he can to throw his fiery darts at you but when you know who love is and you have that love shed abroad into your heart by the holy spirit you're able to even look at the spiritual warfare in your life and see jesus in it
0: yeah that's right and i have you have you ever watched uh prince caspian the the movie
1: I saw the movie a long time ago and I read the book, okay. yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, anyways, in the movie, I, th- I think it's in the book as well, but in the movie, there's a particular scene that always just strikes me. Actually, my sister, she's an artist and I ha- I'm having her paint a picture of this scene because I love it so much. But there's a scene where the enemies of Narnia are, are riding towards this bridge and they're about to cross this bridge and on the other side of the bridge is Lucy and she's standing there by herself And this whole army is coming at her, and they all stop because they're like, what is this girl doing all by herself? And she just pulls out her dagger, and she just stands there. And then the the scene shoots back and pans to the armies, looking kind of confused. Is she going to stop us? And when it pans back, she's there with Aslan standing next to her. Mm. To me, just the picture of her there bravely with her knife and Aslan standing next to her is the picture that we as Christians have to have when we're looking at the enemy it may seem intense, it may seem so big and scary, but when we have the Lion of Judah by our side there is nothing there is nothing that the enemy can do to stop the plans of God Yeah,
1: and there's times where, like when I'm preaching outside, and I know I know, and I'm consciously aware of, this is a spiritual battle today, I know that there's going to be things but um, just knowing, man, that that uh, cr- obviously resting in the sovereignty of God, uh, uh, but just being aware of, he is about to do, he is doing a work. Right. He's about to pour it up. And when I stand in light of that Lucy reference, when I stand with God, uh, I'm in the majority by myself on a street, yeah. like nothing in this world can come again, who, who can oppose God? Who right. can oppose him? nothing is too hard for God. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the majority and that's powerful to me.
0: Yeah, it is. I just, tying right into that, whenever I feel doubt or nervousness to proclaim the truth, I just have to remember Jesus words. All authority is mine everywhere.
1: <laughs> mm. This is Jesus's man.
0: Yeah. How, how can, how can we, how can we fear when we have that kind of promise? All authority is mine and it's because of that authority that the devil's ability to deceive is not there. And you're to go disciple the nations with confidence. And I love what Doug Wilson points out. He points out the disciples, they did that. They did it. <laughs> they did it. You know, yeah. the guys standing there, definitely the minority when it comes to people. Right, They have the persecuting Jews in the first century that want to kill them and are persecuting them. Then you have the Romans that they're using as leverage to persecute. And then you have Nero that pops up out of the abyss and starts persecuting like crazy. Right. You know, how did these guys do what they did? It was because mm-hmm. they truly had confidence. Jesus does have all authority and the devil has no power.
1: Amen, brother. He has no power. And we need to recover that as the church today.
0: Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Post-millennialism is always going to come into every everything we do, man. It's, it's a glorious reality. Yes, well, do you sir. have anything to say in closing, wrapping up points, application?
1: Yeah, man. Um, just remember to to rest in Jesus. Uh, always preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Now remind yourself of this of this passage of Ephesians six. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and when this when Satan stands and brings all of hell's demons. With him, be, stand with your little dagger uh, and, and let, it be the, let it be the word of God in, in your hand. And, uh, and then the Lord, the angel of the Lord of hosts on your side, <laughs> the commander of the Lord's army, wielding a flaming sword. And that's, who, that's who stands with you, the maker of heaven and earth. So be confident in the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or abandon you. So take hope in that.
0: Amen, man. And I would just add to that and just encourage everybody listening, surround yourself with like-minded brothers and sisters. Surround yourself with people that can encourage you, that can build you up, that can disciple you, so that there's that edification and gathering of the saints, because where two or more are gathered, Christ is present and active. So,
1: brother, would you close us in prayer? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, you are gracious to us. Um, You are so kind. And uh, Lord, without your your great kindness, Lord, we would not be here uh, right now. Lord, I'm grateful for uh, you giving us your word, which reveals these realities of spiritual warfare to us that we are able to glean from, to hide in our hearts so that we can know how to stand firm by hiding in the shadow of your wing, by standing in the refuge, which is who is Jesus Christ. Uh, I pray that we would rest in the grace that is ours through the forgiveness of our sins and the repentance that you've given us. Uh, Lord, be with uh, all who are listening right now. Uh, Give us and strengthen our hearts. Give us such courage and boldness and guard our hearts and our minds from the schemes of the enemy that would seek to steal, kill, and destroy all hope that we have in you. Uh, Lord, let us cast all our anxiety upon you. Uh, let us cast all fear and sin and confess and divulge our evil from our own heart. Search us, God, uh, that we would be able to be honorable vessels, uh, useful to the master, useful for every good work. Uh, Lord, give us confidence in you. Increase our faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, man.